listening to the Exile Hour. Hosted by Kayla Jackson Dills and Evan Phillips. We hope you enjoy the show wherever you are in the world time zones. Remember, be safe, be vigilant, and keep listening. Noah's Ark was a spaceship that contained a single cell of each living creature. This preserved DNA was used to resurrect animals through cloning. Beam me up. They're here now. Here they come. I, I see them. <laughs> Did you ever watch Star Trek? Star Trek? Did you ever watch Star Trek? Uh, last time I... Man, last time I saw it... No, I was on acid in um, Toronto. And end of the night, this guy decided us to like take us to his local watering hole that he hung out to. He was kind of a nerd. And it was like a nerd bar. Only in Canada, right? And... <laughs> Like everybody, everybody, yeah, they just had Star Trek Next Generation projected on this giant screen. And I was just like, when I first went in there, I was like, I don't think I can handle this. And they're blasting, uh, they're blasting the sound through this PA. And it's like all the stuff that you would normally, uh, it just wouldn't be audible on a television set. It was like suddenly... Just like all this heavy, the low end frequency of like this, the the sound design of like the ship was just like this rumbling, like mega bass. It was just like, like I thought I was gonna like lose my mind, but uh, yeah, eventually kind of gave into it. It was fine. All right, welcome to the Exile Hour. I'm Caleb Jackson Dills. This is Evan Philip Lipson. Couldn't be more excited for this guest. Um, tonight, today, tomorrow, we have Felix Clairvoyant. Uh, what what a hell of a name. Yeah, correspondent, U.S. correspondent for the uh, Raelian people, Raelian religion. Um, pretty, pretty fascinating religion involving a kind of UFO belief that... Uh, our our creators, he, he, all of humanity, was uh, created by an extraterrestrial being uh, known as the Elohim, uh, and they created us apparently in, in their image. They look like us, although I think they're uh, supposedly a little shorter. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's what it is. Tiny bodies, big brains. The classic short kings. <laughs> yeah, this is this is for all the short kings out there. Um, yeah, I guess uh, the belief system is. Pretty, I mean, pretty liberal as far as religion goes. Um, very, uh, very sex positive, pro sexuality, sensuality, sensual meditation, um, master pro masturbation. Uh, they're into having a hedonistic, wild, good old time. Um, the idea being that the greater pleasure that we experience and, uh, corresponding with a greater degree of peace and love on earth um the greater possibility there is that uh the the creators of humanity the in their belief the elohim will return uh to to earth and uh come hang out with us again uh realians have drawn a fair bit of controversy primarily due to the fact that they've used a symbol sort of rooted in um Buddhist or Hindu origin it was a symbol that apparently appeared to Raal um 
or, or what he observed on their their spacecrafts, um, which is described could be described as a um, swastika nested inside of a star of David or a seal of Solomon. Yeah, very uh, very off-putting choice for a lot of people. Prior to light pollution or electricity, you know, the night sky was quite a, a vivid place that we would we would uh, our eyes would be drawn towards. Um, in the d- distant and not so, even not so distant past, and um, apparently, the tail of a comet would often can often be seen as uh, creating a sort of shape that resembles that of a swastika. I did not know that. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet myself, but uh, I see swastikas everywhere. <laughs> it's that persecution complex <laughs> all right let's get uh felix on the horn west of the rockies you're on the air this uh caleb yes nice to meet you sorry sorry about the issues i guess we're having some technical difficulties here greetings yes and this is uh this is evan lipson also okay even uh, philip Lipson. okay good to meet you guys thank you for the invite yeah greetings thanks for yes yeah, so again uh dealing with some terrestrial technical difficulties We've gotta get the uh <laughs> the realian technology will will uh well what do we got uh we got ten years or something, right? Or what? Are the, what if the expectation is? Uh, what twenty twenty five to twenty thirty five that they're coming down? Well, um, we have a twenty thirty five uh, date where it could happen. You know, any time before, within seven years before that. But of course, a lot of things will have to happen before. And uh, beginning with us putting our act together, you know. As far as uh, putting our act together, what are some recommendations for uh, us to get them to return? Well, first, I mean, um, it might be a pipe dream, but, you know, creating world peace would be a good start, I think. You know, eliminating uh, nuclear weapons, uh, nuclear uh, weapons of mass destruction, if you will. Um, Because let's face it, every time there's a UFO in the sky, the first thing we do instinctively is we send the fighter pilots and, uh, you know, we're ready to uh, take on the fight. So there's, uh, you know, there's no other way than to welcome them than um, to build an embassy, which is also an awareness project uh, that is going on, that is ongoing right now. It's one of the missions of the Rallyan movement to build an embassy, preferably in Israel, according to Adel Him's request. But if not in any country where first it will be uh, internationally recognized as neutral territory, in other words, uh, and it will have total immunity. So that means no military will have to will be able to, um, you know, uh, fly over that zone pretty much in in the same way as any other embassy in the world uh, is entitled to, you know, territorial immunity, if you will. So. So before we can welcome them officially, because right now there's really no safe place for them to land anyways, and uh, an unannounced uh, you know, arrival could have catastrophic uh, repercussions, so we want to avoid that. And so we're since 74, when the actual international rallying movement started, that's when the awareness campaign of uh, who the LAM are 
and uh, the goal of the rebellion movement and um, started. So, have you have you read Rao's book by any, any chance? Elohim is the original Hebrew word for God in the Hebrew Bible. Right, right. And over the uh, ages was, was mistranslated to the singular word God, but the very uh, meaning of Elohim is uh, those who came from the sky um, or beings from heaven, if you will. Right, so it's interesting that uh, using this, this uh, Hebrew name Elohim and that also they've expressed uh, desire for... Um, the their place of of existence on a terrestrial existence to be in uh preferably in israel um is there a um particularly like semitic connection between the elohim well the, the uh you know I, I don't know how much you know about the organization uh if you allow me to first of all uh explain in a minute or so the fundamental uh message um these extraterrestrial human beings, referred to as Elohim in the original Bible, came here on Earth at a time when there was absolutely no life. So that means the Earth already existed. So they came here. We're talking about a, a highly advanced civilization, came here at a time when there was no life, set up huge laboratories. And in those laboratories, uh, using DNA and genetic engineering, created all life on Earth um, starting by simple organisms and eventually plants, animals, and eventually uh, humans in their image, like the Bible says. So when you read God in the Bible or in any religious scripture, what you're actually reading is, um, is the, it, it, it's about that civilization of extraterrestrial human beings, referred to as Elohim. So they came here, created our life, and throughout our history, the Elohim uh, maintained contact with um, prophets or messengers, um, contacted at different times throughout our history to deliver a message of peace uh, to the world and also to explain or demystify the biblical Genesis uh, and essentially saying that they were the ones who created all life on earth. So the goal, as I said, is to spread the message uh, that Rael received physically in 1973 on December 13th. We're actually going to celebrate this Friday um, Rael's 46th uh, year, uh, well, not Rael, but the Raelian movement's 46th year anniversary of the first encounter. And in that encounter, during that encounter, uh, during that encounter, they ex explained to Rael who they were and how they were responsible for creating all life. So the goal of the Raelian movement is twofold, spread the message around the world and build an embassy or the, uh, the third temple, if you will, in Israel. Because um, uh, historically, the temple was built and destroyed twice in the past. And this time um, they've requested Israel because it's in Jerusalem, because it's a mag magnetic pole of three great religions. And the official request to have the land to build this embassy was submitted to the Israeli government several times in the past, and uh, they all always refused. So now anywhere in the world is a good place. And um, when they officially return uh, to this embassy, this safe haven, if you will, then uh, they will meet with all uh, government leaders of the world and uh, 
I think it will be the, the greatest day that humanity's history uh, has ever lived. And this is what we uh, are working towards. Uh, I've been a member for 30 years. You know, two months ago, I celebrated my 30th year in the organization. And, you know, looking back, this is one of the best decisions I've made, you know, to help Royale accomplish its mission. How many members uh, roughly are there worldwide? Well, you can imagine uh, 40, 45 years ago uh, how controversial it was. Um, many people, of course, uh, the message was received with uh, sarcasm, insults, and, and all that because, you know, in those days, we really didn't have uh, advanced, the advanced technology that we have today. So today we're capable of understanding you know, that we're not alone in the universe, that there's other lives elsewhere in the universe, and UFOs are real. The Elohim explained that they're observing us, they're observing humanity, especially after the dropping of the atomic bomb over Hiroshima in 1945. That's when we entered, our humanity entered a new era, the, the age of science. The age where, you know, if we don't use our technology wisely, we can self-destruct. And obviously the Elohim don't want that. That's why after Hiroshima, uh, many UFO sightings were observed uh, near nuclear test sites around the world. And at that time, they were concerned, you know, about what we could do, because obviously we're we're like a child, you know, playing with a loaded gun, if you will. You know, we don't have the wisdom to understand. And every time we have a new technology that has the capacity to destroy our life on Earth, we just, um, we just tamper and play with it in a way that is immature and, uh, you know, creating all these wars. So you were asking me, what do we need you know, to officially welcome them? We need peace on Earth. And uh, that's what, you know, the Rallyan movement has been striving over four decades to spread, spread a message of peace. And one day, I'm, I'm very confident that this day will come. I'll be alive to witness it, um, that the official return of the Elohim. It's written in every scriptures of the world that the, no matter which uh, prophet you're talking about, every scripture, every religion are waiting for their prophet to return. Because as I said, the Elohim contacted several prophets, initiated all the prophets who started the major religions. And uh, now we're just uh, living in an age where it's either we self-destruct or we welcome the Elohim peacefully. Mm -hmm. I guess I have one burning question just about the origin of, of uh, man created by the Elohim. I'm just wondering why they would uh, create an organism that was of lesser intelligence than them or sophistication? You know, that's a good question. Um, I'm a former scientist, former molecular biologist. So, you know, DNA, talking about DNA is one of my passions. Um, at first, you know, when they came here seeking a, a planet on which they could continue their experiments, because uh, their experiments started on their planet, uh, which, by the way, is in our galaxy, but not in our solar system. Uh, and their planet, their planet is what's referred to as heaven, you know, in the Bible. But uh, primitive people obviously don't understand heaven. Today we can understand heaven uh, being referred to as a, as a planet where they live uh, eternally. And so they came here. It was just an experiment. You know, they started creating, like I said, very simple organisms and eventually multicellular organisms using advanced genetic engineering. And this is what we're, we're, we are discovering ourselves. 
you know, since the discovery of DNA in uh, 52, we've uh, accomplished great things uh, in the lab, you know, starting with the uh, test tube babies, DNA recombinant technology, uh, stem cell research, therapeutic uh, stem cells, re uh, reproductive stem cells. Human cloning is a, is a hot topic now. And this is something Rael has been talking about since 74, human cloning. Uh, you know, at the time it was uh, laughed at, but today we understand, you know, after cloning the sheep, Dolly the sheep, I mean, there's extraordinary things we can do. Of course, there's always a moratorium, uh, you know, an ethical committee, if you will, that will try to slow down science. But in the end, our curiosity, when you ask, you know, why did they come here and, and create a, a, a species of lesser intelligence? It was just an experiment. And eventually, when they started creating the first human beings in their image, because they are also human, uh, human beings, uh, then they were guiding this, uh, this creation to the best of their ability until one day when they decided to just leave and let that humanity progress uh, on its own, making their own mistakes, learning hopefully from their mistakes. And, and every time something would go wrong, you know, with their creation, that's when they would send a prophet to sort of, you know, put things back uh, in order, if you will. And Rael is the last of a series of uh, 40 prophets who all came to this earth, men and women. Uh, he's the last of a lineage of 40 prophets. And uh, his, his role is uh, he's the prophet of the revelation, you know, like Christianity talks about. Uh, and his goal, his goal really is, is to uh, create this network of, of, of people to help him accomplish his twofold mission, spreading the message, building the embassy. Personally, it took me seven years before I joined, 30 years ago. Uh, and so each individual will really have their own, uh, you know, their own uh, feelings, emotions, experience, and uh, as to whether or not uh, they will join. I mean, we're not out there to recruit, convince, or convert anybody, but just to inform took me seven years and you know I, I have no misgivings I, I was just I was just not ready when I received the message uh, 37 years ago but um, and we're not gonna, you know we're never going to pressure people people we invite them to read Ralph's book which which is free online intelligent uh, design uh, online that's uh, at uh, rael.org r-e-e-l.org People can download it for free and draw their own conclusion. And, and that's why a lot of people join us. You ask me how many members. Um, you know, officially, I would say 80,000, perhaps worldwide, which is not very many when you think about it, and which proves that you definitely have to be a free thinker to be part of it. When, when you were speaking of cloning, uh, isn't it, was it 2003 um, that, that you guys made the uh, cloned the first human? It was December 2002. Oh, okay. When the announcement was made by uh, Dr. Gorsalier, and I want to stress that um, uh, human uh, cloning is uh, is a clonade. There's a company that was founded. Uh, clonade is a separate uh, branch of the Raelian movement, but the only link between the two is the philosophical uh, link, if you will. But the, the Raelian movement has no business or uh, has no say in what goes on with clone aid you know so this is a separate entity a separate business a separate uh you know corporation uh that has nothing to do with the Raelian movement except for the philosophical link because 
Royale has, has talked about human cloning from the get-go. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, human cloning is very interesting because as much as people are afraid of the unknown, you know, uh, and the first reaction, you know, when we tap into a new technology is to have reservations, to look at it with apprehension, to fear the consequences, you know, and to create these ethical committees, which, which are meant really to slow down progress when you think about it. I mean, there's no ethical committees for building nuclear bombs, but yet you'll create ethical committees for this pro-life technology, which, uh, which is human cloning. It's kind of ironic. But um, human cloning, you know, the, the value when you understand human cloning, it's not just, uh, you know, creating a, a carbon copy of, of, of an animal or a human being or a baby. It's more than that, according to the science of the Elohim, because... If you just clone, if, for instance, someone uh, extracted a cell from my body and then was able to clone me, you would still have to go through the um, nine-month uh, gestation period. You'd have to find a surrogate mother first and then have the surrogate mother go through this pregnancy process nine months and then give birth to the other me, right, the carbon copy of me, of myself. And then that, that, that other self would have to grow to become an adult for us to really see the resemblance, if you will, right? But the Elohim, what's really fascinating is that uh, coupled with the human uh, cloning technology, they have a technology called accelerated growth process. In other words, they're able to sample a cell from uh, someone, put it in the machine, and then in a matter of, you know, minutes, you see the actual... Uh, being being created as as an adult so accelerated growth process this is something obviously that we have not discovered yet but um it'll be interesting when we uh get to that point where you know when you clone an individual uh, you don't have to go through uh through the gestation uh and childhood etc a period development the developmental uh, period mm-hmm. what is the position regarding uh genetic editing or even um creation of uh, artificial intelligence or cyborgs or something like that is there is there any official uh, rail in position oh, on that i mean man uh, let me just say that the, let me just say that the railian movement man is is not just a new age religion or spirituality it's a 100 percent pro-science religion that means we will embrace any new technology right provided that it's not misused for destructive purposes i mean that's of course the the underlying condition uh, unequivocal condition because uh, you, we know that every time there's a new technology the military is quick to try to get um, you know access to it and then uh, use it for destructive uh, purposes namely for instance building you know biological weapons etc that's the danger right now. It's the misuse of the technology. It's not the technology itself. So imagine if instead of using technology or new, a new science for cons- uh, destructive uh, purposes, we'd use it for constructive purposes and per- a purpose that would benefit everyone, then it would be paradise on earth. And this is another, uh, another uh, offshoot of the organization is Paradism. This is a, a campaign we, we have uh, that's been ongoing for years where 
we promote you know uh, the use of science for the benefit of humanity because it's unacceptable that we are in the third millennium in 2020 soon and that we still haven't found a cure to cancer this is really unacceptable i think you know we have the brain power we have the mind uh, the you, you put all the great minds of the world together and 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 spend on r&d instead of military you know arsenal i mean this this is also something that is incoherent in my mind if we used our resources and our brain power we would be so far advanced uh, that uh, you know we would uh, perhaps not even uh, discuss wars anymore like uh, it is so prevalent you know uh, these days i mean there's too much testosterone for sure in this world and uh, War is definitely not the solution. Pro-life technologies are the solution to advancing our humanity to, to the next level. Here lately, there's been a huge debate over social media use or just internet use in general. Maybe maybe uh, the people making these things should should have an ethical system to follow. Mm-hmm. No, there's a, there's definitely I agree that there are certain uh, amount of uh, you know, minimal regulation, if you will, because, you know, let's, let's face it, when you don't allow a technology to be in the forefront, then it's done, it's used underground. And we know that a lot of, a lot of stuff, when it's used underground, a lot of things can go wrong. But if you have a certain um, monitoring, if you will, of, of the technology to make sure that it's evolving and growing in the right direction, Again, always emphasizing for the benefit of humanity rather than to enrich a, 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 a special group, special race or, 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 you know, certain powerful people, uh, then I think it's, it's legit to, uh, to have a certain amount of monitor, monitoring and, uh, and uh, regulation. For that technology. But, but I agree with you. There's always the, the potential of misuse. But you know, there's also uh, something that you probably heard of before, something called the precautionary principle, where when there's a new uh, breakthrough, uh, let's just take all the precautions possible, you know, gather and, and then decide whether it's going to be good to, to go forward, forward with that technology. But at the same time, it could be a life-saving technology, you know, and, and people are dying waiting for a cure, for instance, when uh, our fear of the unknown through this pre- these precautions uh, are counterproductive in the end. You know, so there's got to be a, a, a way to get a balance, but at the same time, we cannot, we cannot stifle or slow down progress because uh, especially if it has the potential to benefit humanity. Well, that, I guess that's an interesting part of um, the Raelian faith is that uh, it seems like a lot of faiths stay in this traditional traditional uh, way of life or looking to the past as opposed to looking to the future. Um, so I guess, I guess that brings up a question of earlier you had said, uh, you know, you have, you have to be like a free thinker to belong to this because you know uh yeah it's it, I, i've watched videos of the past of interview uh, i guess like the maybe that was in the 80s the interview with um rael mm-hmm. uh where you know they kind of mocked him and the crowd was incredibly rude 
Um, yep. Would you would you say uh, what uh, what's the potential of actually uh, getting people to belong to your faith as opposed to other religions? I, I know there's not an evangelical aspect to uh, mm-hmm. trying to convert people. But is there a certain amount of humanity that needs to accept this for the Elohim to return? Very good question. Of course, yes. Uh, the Elohim won't probably land if there's only a hundred people around the embassy. I mean, it would be uh, it would be um, uh, sad for one, and um, of course, you, and at the same time, uh, at the other end of the spectrum, you cannot con- con- convince, for lack of a better word, the entire planet you know of the uh, who the elohim are and that they're a peaceful civilization wishing to return to earth they're our creators you know and they want to, all they want is to return and and meet with their creation so there's definitely got, not going to be a majority in fact i think that uh, as long as traditional religions um and you tapped on this earlier by talking about people people being more comfortable, you know, living in the past as opposed to thinking forward and and looking at the potential and the beauty that uh, the future can bring. As long as we have uh, fanatical religions uh, with fanatical religious leaders, people who are indoctrinating the the, the masses, you know, with... um, with primitive concepts, concepts that are not in harmony with the 21st century science that we're living every day, then uh, we're not going to move forward very, very quickly. In fact, um, uh, you know, people who are indoctrinated, uh, that's the opposite of being a free thinker. You know, being a free thinker is about making the best decisions for yourself, not without any external influence. And uh, that's the, the the beauty when I became a member. Yes, it took me seven years, but I was living, uh, I was, uh, you know, living around, hanging out with rebellions. And I thought they were pretty cool. They never really pressured me, never judged me because I, I wasn't with them or part of the organization. And then seven years later, I thought, you know, that's how long it took me individually to become part of it. It's, it's a personal process. So I think that as far as uh, people joining in the organization, there will be a wave of people, a, a, a massive influx of, of new members in the years to come, I promise you. And and coupled with that, an intensification of UFO sightings. Because let's not forget that the more uh, aggressive this humanity is becoming, the more concerned the Elohim are, are with the, 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 our potential misuse of technology and and eventually destroying all life on earth so they will interfere to uh, prevent that from happening should we get to that point because they i mean it would be in a way masochistic of them to just observe us and just let us destroy ourselves when when we think that there are many you know millions of people in this world who are good people you know who are uh helping humanity doing their best to help humanity, be it financially or whatever resource they use, they they really believe in the in the benevolence of humanity and the kindness of humanity. But there's there's uh, definitely a a cancerous uh, portion of that humanity that uh, will do anything to eliminate all life on earth, and that the Elohim won't allow it to happen. 
So there will be an influx of a uh, massive influx of people in the years to come, I believe, because uh, when you think about it, there are only two theories uh, to, well, before intelligent design and scientific creationism by the Elohim, there've always been uh, two theories, the God theory, in other words, creationism by God, or Darwinism, the evolution theory. And today, not only do we not have any evidence to support Darwinism or the evolution theory, but we have enough to disprove it with our understanding of genetic uh, engineering. Um, and as far as God, well, you know, I mean, God is just uh, absolute poetry. I mean, no one can even define what God is. But on the other hand, when you talk about a group of scientists, artists, and scientists coming here on this planet, men and women, creators, creating life, people from seven original races creating life on earth and eventually the seven original races on this planet, it becomes easy for any, a person of any uh, racial denomination to look at the sky and, say, and identify themselves with the creator. But, you know, the God concept, on the other hand, is, is a racist concept. It's a, it's a white God. It's a, it's a God that is white and implying that white is a superior race. And then uh, what this leads to ultimately is uh, things like in South Africa with apartheid, you know. So this is, uh, this is not uh, what we think uh, is a good approach if, if we are to uh, becoming a peaceful uh, planet. We have to be inclusive. We have to be understanding. We have to be accepting uh, of the differences. That's more than just being tolerant. That's being accepting of the differences, be they racial, religious, sexual, etc. And that's the only way we can become uh, one as a humanity. Thinking about the, the, the kind of explicit embracal of science, um, mm -hmm. I'm wondering if that extends also into like social sciences and psychology, because uh, and particularly I, I know Carl Jung had some interesting ideas about the psychological interpretation of UFO sightings. I'm not sure. Are you aware of those? Well, I, in in terms of debunking uh, UFO sightings, uh, people having a psychological. It wasn't necessary. I don't think he was um, uh, necessarily. It was a psychological uh, understanding, not necessarily trying to debunk. Uh, I yeah, he I have this sort of observation that he he wrote about uh, saying that um, in the threatening situation of the world today, when people are beginning to see that everything is at stake, the projection creating fantasy soars beyond the realm of earthly organizations and powers into the heavens, into interstellar space where the rulers of human fate, the gods, once had their abode in the planets. Even people who would never have thought that a religious problem could be a serious matter that concerned them personally are beginning to ask themselves fundamental questions. Under these circumstances, it would not be at all surprising if those sections of the community who ask themselves nothing were visited by quote-unquote visions, by a widespread myth seriously believed in by some and rejected as absurd by others. Yeah, okay, uh-huh. I see where you're going with this. I think, you know, the most important, as I uh, alluded to earlier, is for people to read the book, uh, judge the book for what it is, uh, and draw their own conclusion. And if they think it makes sense, they're welcome to join our group. If they don't, then that's their prerogative. Uh, you know, I think that these scientists or these psychologists you're referring to, uh, I think they would be uh, well served to, uh, you know, download intelligent design, uh, read it, and uh, try to put 
you know, pieces together because uh, it's a huge enigma, you know, the genesis of life on Earth. And that's strictly what we're talking about here. We're not talking about the creation of the universe. We're talking about creation of life on Earth. Um, it's a thorny issue. It's a, it's a very uh, undefined issue for in the minds of many. And it's a very confusing issue for many uh, as well, too. As I said, God or Darwin, and suddenly we have a third 100% pro-scientific explanation for the genesis of life. And I think it's inevitable, as I said earlier, you know, we, we're not in a vacuum here. And for anybody to think that UFOs are, are visions of, uh, of, of, of the mind, that they're not real, I think uh, that's their opinion. Um, I think differently. I think that to uh, assume that we're the only life in the universe is, uh, is pretty arrogant. Um, to as assume that we're the most advanced in the universe is pretty arrogant. Uh, you know, and uh, it's, like, it's like a, a frog in a pond wondering if there are other frogs, you know, in other ponds. So the answer is obvious. Uh, yes, there is. And the same wish should apply for life on other planets. And now that we know that the universe is infinite, there are more and more scientists agreeing to that, at least, that it's not, uh, it's not uh, finite, that um, then it's, it's definitely uh, conceivable that, you know, in the vastness of, of uh, in the infinite of this, the infinity of this universe, that there the potential, uh, the potential of, of life existing like like ours here is is very likely, and and for such life to be more advanced than we are is is certainly likely also. I mean, for for the Elohim to be able to travel in space from planet to planet the way you and I do from to, uh, city to city in a car uh, is uh, is pretty uh, remarkable in and of itself, you know. Uh, I've seen a UFO personally uh, before. Uh, I don't think uh, I was hallucinating. I don't do drugs. I never have. Uh, I'm a very lucid person. I, I can I can tell the difference between uh, you know a conventional uh, aircraft and something that's making uh, you know bizarre uh, movements in the sky. So so you know this uh, this this again this is my choice. Uh, we live in a society, free society. People can think and believe whatever they want. Our goal is not to recruit, convince, to put the word out, out so that uh, when the Elohim come, at least people will be informed as to who they are and not view them as, as uh, people coming or sent here by Satan, like, like the uh, you know, r r false prophets or religious uh, leaders try to... Uh, to force us to believe as far as reptilians go or like david ike's belief system is there any is there any are the elohim the only beings that exist in the universe or are they the only ones that have contacted us you know uh in the universe i would have to be pretty arrogant if i answered yes to that question uh the answer is no, they're not the only life in the universe. They have told us there's an infinite uh, amount of lives and uh, forms, life forms as well, you know, in the universe. What's important to understand here is that the Elohim, as grand and as supreme as they are in this section of the universe, if you will, um, they're uh, not the ones who, they did not create the universe. I mean, when I say the universe is infinite, that means there's no beginning, there's no end. Therefore, 
it it could there's no starting point right there's there's no force that was able to create it all create it all uh in in one in one move of a magic wand for instance um so so the elohim are um our creators they came here at a time when there was no life and the earth to them is like their garden so in other words they are very protective of the earth right and any civilization who would come here to try to tamper with us would have to go through the elohim first uh so that's uh, that's what uh, rael has uh, told us and um and therefore they they would need you know permission for, uh, from the elohim to come here and and the elohim also would not allow any other race to come and tamper with us so so when you talk about reptilians um again i'm not here to debunk any uh, belief out there i know that we don't believe in abduction we don't believe in abduction uh the elohim would not allow that to happen um and the elohim are not uh there are creators so they i don't think it would be reasonable to assume you know that they come here to tamper with us when when we are in fact their creation uh so so there are many types of uh life forms uh be it uh, reptilian uh um whatever you you know there are probably as many life forms as i as i can uh, dig out doing a google imagine yeah imagine exactly uh but uh but one day one thing for sure is that the elohim are 20 or for when i say for sure i mean from uh, the message of uh, that rao was uh, given they explain that they are 25,000 years more scientifically advanced than we are and i don't know if you can even conceptualize you know 25,000 years that's 250 centuries um and if you just go back one century you know in time uh take las vegas for instance and and look at las vegas a century ago and take a person from a century ago and put them in the middle of Vegas today i think that they would pre- pretty much be blown away right because they wouldn't really understand how how this could happen how how could you see the image of a person on a huge screen speaking uh, you know they, they would have absolutely zero notion of how they could go from a century ago to today immediately instantaneously uh, it would confuse any mind essentially that's why the elohim you know they don't want to come here out of nowhere uninvited uh, and uh, out of the blue and uh, that would create the mayhem man it would be madness around the world that, you know talk about psychological irreversible uh, repercussions i mean that could be traumatic in many ways for us and they res- that they don't want to do that they respect they even respect our choice to say no we don't want them back you know if we refuse to build the embassy then there won't be any return and so they will accept that too so it's free will in every sense of the world or the word i'm sorry it's free will in every sense of the word uh, they respect our choice to say no obviously the rallying the international rallying movement is is fighting to promote uh, their existence and to welcome them back uh, that's our goal we know it will happen i'm confident it will uh and uh and so we i hope you guys will be there too around the embassy you know to welcome them yeah hopefully 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 we both are i'd love to i'd love to be there 
still uh, I missed out on my my birthright trip to Israel, so I guess I gotta that that might be a good good excuse to get over there. Oh well, it uh, it may you know it may not happen in Israel. Like I said earlier, the Israeli government rejected the uh, proposal to get a piece of land to build the embassy or the third temple. I mean. You can't have any stronger connection with uh, Judaism than, you know, when you talk about Third Temple. Right. Uh, so they said no. Right now, right now, anywhere in the world. They might have a problem with the swastika yeah, thing. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a valid point, right? I, I, I agree. Uh, but again, uh, yes, that's a valid point. But Hitler, you know, did not invent the swastika. Uh, this uh, Israeli symbol, the, the swastika inside the Star of David, it, 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 it's a very, very old symbol. You find you, you can find it in India. You, by the way, you can't even find the swastika in Israel. You find the swastika everywhere in the world. That's why we have the pro swastika movement. You know, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's another campaign, a campaign of rehabilitation of the swastika. Right? Uh, you know, Buddhist, Buddhism has used the swastika for ages. So Hitler, unfortunately, he immortalized the negative connotation of the swastika in the minds of Europeans, especially. But because if you go to Asia, well, you know, everybody pray in front of the swastika there. Uh, so it depends on which culture you're talking about. But Europeans in general, they're very sensitive uh, to uh, the combination of the swastika inside a, a Star of David. But those who are open minded, again, we go back to how open minded you are. And, and this rehabilitation and ed- educational campaign that we have uh, internationally around the world is, is specifically for that purpose, to educate people to the positive uh, aspect of the swastika. So, you know, I think that, you know, again, we go back to uh, one point uh, one of you made earlier, as far as many people like to go in the past, live in the past, etc., instead of thinking forward and looking forward to the uh, outstanding potential uh, and positive and beneficial use of technology and science. The swastika inside a star of David, eventually a new de- generation will be born, right? A new generation will be born, will uh, be uh, inquisitive, will uh, understand that, you know, uh, you cannot just uh, crucify a symbol just because a person uh, misused it. You know, symbols don't kill people, by the way. People kill people, right? So, uh, so then, then, uh, then eventually there's going to be a, a massive awareness uh, of uh, the, the, the positive meaning of the swastika. And then when we go to Israel, uh, if, you know, if the Israeli government grants us the land, it's not guaranteed again. Uh, uh, then it will be uh, it will be wonderful. Otherwise, any country now is uh, we've uh, submitted requests. There's a Elohim Embassy uh, project, uh, a group of uh, members who are actively involved in uh, searching a country that would grant us the land, you know, to build the embassy or the third temple. So uh, it will be the first embassy uh, for uh, an extraterrestrial civilization ever built. And when that day happens, it's going to be major, I think. Imagine when the country officially announced they are granting uh, the International Rallying Movement a piece of land on, on which to build the embassy. That's going to be major, you know, uh, in the news. Of course, we're not even sure it's going to be covered because right now, you know, such news doesn't, positive news doesn't sell much. 
as a, you know propaganda and all these uh, fake news stories that we are bombarded with on a daily. But that day is going to be major, and and suddenly it will be the fruit uh, of the accomplishment of uh, the rally movement of decades of work trying to pre prepare our humanity for that day when the when the MSCA is built, and then when it's entirely built, it's going to be a matter of uh, a short time before they officially uh, uh, announce uh, themselves or physically show up um have you have you guys ever seen a ufo by any chance uh, well i guess if we're using the strict definition i couldn't identify it um so yeah i actually actually have something um, something unexplainable you know, very stereotypical uh, like almost like a hovering light of sorts while I was driving once. It was kind of strange. Yeah, so we call them uh, UFOs because they're unidentified. But uh, in Raelian circles, we, we actually call them IFOs, identified flying objects, because we know who they are. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the difference. <laughs> so going back to the swastika thing, this is sort of an interesting uh, thought because uh, I'm thinking about, uh, what was it, 1973 that Rail had the contact. Um, yes. Uh, with the Elohim for the first time. So this is like about roughly 28 years after the fall of the Third Reich. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, being such close observers of the their terrestrial human creations, um, one could probably pretty safely assume that they were well aware of the events of the Second World War. You know, it's like a historical event of undeniably global proportions. Um, uh -huh. And yet they appeared for the first time in, in 1973, brandishing this symbol that for most, at least in the Western world, that represents this something like an unusual union between uh, Jewish and Nazi iconography. So I, I'm sort of wondering, maybe this is a backwards way to like ask you this question, but was, uh, was Hitler an alien? Uh, you know, I have no way to answer that question. I have no evidence of that. Uh, and I'm not sure what you implied by uh, suggesting he may have been an alien, because uh, 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 the, the, the fact of the matter is that when the symbol of the of the Raelian movement is the symbol of the Elohim, right? So when uh, when Rael had his first encounter with uh, with uh, Yahweh, physical encounter, uh, the symbol was on the spacecraft, the swastika, the Star of David with the swastika in the middle. Uh, and that symbol, this is what's so extraordinary, is that this symbol, is, we call it the symbol of infinity in time and space. The Star of David representing infinity in space, you know, as above, so below, right? Right. Uh, and the swastika uh, representing infinity in time, meaning everything is cyclical. So right. when we say that the universe is infinite, we just not, we not only imply it's infinite macrocosmically, but it's also infinite microcosmically. You know, so within the subatomic particles of our atoms, there are clouds of universes in which there are galaxies and then solar systems and then planets on which humans live. And, and you can go nonstop in that direction towards the infinitely small. And the macro is also relevant here. So uh, what's beyond, uh, you know, the, the, the universes, you have, a, a, you have clouds of universes which, which could represent a subatomic particle of something even greater. 
that's why the microcosmic representation of the atoms is the same as the macrocosmic representation of the stars. It's very, it is very similar. And now, as far as time goes, you know, the Alhim are explaining, uh, as far as the symbol is concerned, that infinity in time means that time is inversely proportional to mass. In other words, the smaller you go, the faster time goes, right? The larger you go, the slower time goes. So it's not constant. You can't really understand, you know, um, intellectualize on the concept of infinity. You cannot allow yourself to do that because it's too mind-boggling. That's why when we, uh, one of the principal tenets of the Raelian teachings is meditation. And Rael has taught us for years how to meditate to infinity, infinity within ourselves and also i could say within ourselves too right uh, and also infinity outside of us and so you can only really feel the only way to connect with infinity is when you feel infinity through meditation and so that's why i tried to go quickly over that that intellectual uh, explanation if you will of infinity but the best is not to try to rationalize it even more but to try to feel it instead. That's the only way you can connect with infinity. Yeah, do you think there's other ways aside from meditation, like uh, through artistic practice or music or something that people connect with the infinite? Excellent question, Evan. You're absolutely correct. You can. There are many ways really to connect with infinity, be it artistic, even scientific, through meditation. Very good point. As far as meditation goes, uh, could you explain, I guess, the uh, the sensual meditation practice in um, Raelianism? Sure, I can. Yes, definitely. Very good uh, question. It's very important to understand that meditation, uh, there are many forms of meditation. And meditation comes from the Latin word meditare, which means to exercise yourself. When you talk about sensual meditation, that's a different animal. It's, it's, it's all the senses, right? When we talk about our sensuality, it's what really makes us sensual beings. It's our senses. And in that, you have also our sexuality. Now, what's important to understand is that what really connects us to our outside world, us human beings, it's our senses. If our senses are clogged, imagine if we uh, were created without the senses, right? There would be no reason to, exist, to, to live, really. The, why would we even live, right? Uh, it's our senses that allow us to create that awareness of the beauty that's around us. This is why sensual meditation is so powerful because it's a way to, to, to it, it's, it's a technique that will allow us to gain maximum pleasure from your environment. Because anytime you stimulate your senses in a way that feels good, that's the very definition of pleasure, right? So, when you develop this awareness of your senses, when you develop ways to exercise, practice central meditation daily, I argue, guys, that you can increase your awareness, that, that is to say, your sensitivity to the environment. You can connect better with other living, uh, living uh, life, life forms, be, be they human or insect or animal uh, or trees or whatever. The beauty of this sensuality that we develop through sensual meditation is that we can make this world one 
You know, we can we can connect to everyone in a way that will uh, that will lead to to peace in this world without violence. You know, because when you when you're done meditating, I meditate every day. When I'm done, I feel so serene. I feel there's not an iota of, of aggression or, or violence, you know, and, and I look at others differently. I, I want to just hug everybody, you know what I mean? And so when we develop our sensuality through our senses, we become sensual beings, we become more aware, and we increase our level uh, of intelligence in the process. So this is a very powerful technique, and uh, we have... Uh, we have uh, every once a week, we have weekly online gatherings, uh, meditating uh, for world peace. Uh, it's an international uh, event online. And we have people from all over the world, you know, coming to this gathering on Monday nights uh, to meditate together. Because I think meditation, meditation, the power of the brain, by the way, is, is unbelievable. I mean, there there's research that has shown that when you get a group of people meditating together, then you increase the level of peace in that surrounding environment, right? And so when you talk now about international global meditation, the power of the brain, you know, to emit peaceful waves through uh, the practice of meditation can have extraordinary an extraordinary and positive effect on the whole world in general. And you can, they've done experiments actually on the, in the city. I'd have to, you, you'd have to Google that because uh, I don't have the information in front of me, but where they invited the whole, uh, I don't know which proportion, but a large number of people meditating together in that city and the crime rate measurably uh, went down. So, you know, it, it's measurable. That's why, again, we're pro-science, 100% pro-science because science is, the answer science is the solution and science will enable us to the more science we understand the more we become demystified if you will and the 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 beauty of the message of the Ryan movement is that it's the, it's a message of demystification you know we're in the 21st century and i think it's it's almost like uh interesting that there are still people clinging on to past traditions and religions talking about a mythical being, whatever, that they call God. And yet uh, other people uh, choose to think differently and, and to uh, assign the definition of, uh, of God uh, uh, to a race of human beings who love us and who wish to return to Earth. The Elohim may not necessarily be viewed as uh, deities or gods, they still viewing them as a, as a creator. There's kind of like a, a super ego figure, a father like figure. Traditionally, one would would often agree that a proper parent, a healthful parent, would allow their children to sort of leave the nest eventually and go off on their own. Is this something that they desire, or or do they? Uh, uh, well, I was I was actually thinking about you're talking about the central meditation, and I know that. Uh, like Rail has a pro masturbation, uh, is part of pleasure and so forth. And I was thinking about how it's it's um, it's been observed that that primates only masturbate with the intensity and uh, ejaculation frequency of human males um, only when they're kept in captivity. So it's almost like I'm thinking: uh, is it possible that the Elohim may not just be our creators, but uh, 
also kind of our captors. Captors. I don't think that this uh, would um, uh, fit well in the description that we have of the Elohim, the way it was explained, you know, through intelligent design. Uh, You know, the fact that they're not intervening uh, as much as they did, you know, hundreds of centuries ago uh, throughout our history, if you will, and that since that explosion of the atomic bomb, that's when uh, everything changed. Uh, the fact that they're not intervening is is proof that they respect us and they give us the free will to decide whether or not we want them to return. So captivity, being captives, uh, would be uh, antithetical, I think, to, to the very concept I just explained. Now, um, there is a lot that we uh, don't know in terms of how the brain works. Right. And this this was intentional. Uh, the Elohim did not want to create us with a brain that worked at this, uh, the same level as theirs, obviously, until they would figure out whether we're, uh, mal, you know, maleficent, uh, uh, have evil intentions uh, or not. So to this day, you know, we still haven't shown evidence to the Elohim that uh, we, we can be peaceful you know as a humanity so they're on they're on their guard they're just observing and then uh, like you say the father figure is a very good point too because yeah i do view them as as uh, you know, our creators uh, as our mentors if you will as our guides and even uh you were saying earlier like a kind of protector too from from other um universal beings yes and so, uh, you know, they, they, they are in the books that the, the Royal wrote, Intelligent Design, they're also giving us keys. And that's, again, that's, that's, that's love, man. They're giving us keys that we could use ourselves to make sure that we would uh, reach the golden age of civilization, if you will. You know, because let's not, let's not forget that they have gone through what we have gone through. And they were able to get past this aggression phase to become more civilized more loving more everything else you know that's 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 conducive to a uh, a a loving civilization so we are on the verge of reaching that point that's why they they you know they they told us you guys can make it you guys can make it you guys can make it and now we're not sure i mean you know we're we're basically on the last phase of of, of whether or not we will uh, choose extinction uh, of the race or whether we will mature enough to welcome them. Because when they, when they come here officially, they will grant us their scientific heritage, which is huge. We're talking, again, 25,000 years uh, advancement. And uh, that's going to be extraordinary because, you know, they live on a planet where there's no money, there's no work, there's no, there's no disease. There's no violence. So they're telling us we can make this planet, planet a paradise. That's why, again, paradism.org is a, is a, is a campaign that we're, that's very dear to my heart, too, because we're promoting science for the benefit of mankind. And we can use technology wisely to advance to the next level. Uh, where uh, peace can only be achieved uh, through science. Do you think that perhaps there might be an, an almost unintended consequence to sort of un, unmitigated um, pleasure or sort of dissipation, if you will, 
I mean, I think of today, uh, we do live in this kind of like increasingly pro-hedonistic society. You know, you have to experience everything, um, don't get married and so forth. And, it, and uh, I mean, I think all the reports uh, about human sexuality have been coming back pretty conclusively that there's uh, certainly uh, uh, rates of people are having less sex uh, and marrying uh, less frequently. I mean, those things are tied together because people have the most sex like in uh, long-term stable relationships. And also uh, divorce rates have been increasing pretty dramatically as well. Yes, that's uh, that's very true because, uh, you know, science is showing us that we were designed to be um, to be free uh, of all every aspect uh, of life and sexuality is one of them. Uh, the hedonistic uh, society that uh, you uh, mentioned did exist in the past, but then religions, uh, again, traditional religions, have uh, hampered this uh, by creating rules, you know, where marriage came in the picture. Uh, uh, you cannot have, <laughs> you know, you cannot have sex in until you're married, uh, you you get married until death do us part, right? Uh, and all these things that are that are really contributing to inhibiting uh, our self development uh, because we're created to be sexual beings. You know, we are sexual beings, and there's a way, uh, there's a safe and healthy way to discover this. Uh, by the way, I have a PhD in human sexuality, so that's a topic of interest of mine too. So I think sexuality is beautiful. Uh, we should not be ashamed of uh, our, our bodies and our sexuality. I think religions have contributed dramatically to all the psychological you know, disorders that exist in our society currently because at the same time, they're telling us uh, to feel guilty, to feel shame, to feel this and that. You cannot uh, masturbate, otherwise you go to hell. But... Uh, you know, if the Elohim did not want us to masturbate, don't you think they would have created us with shorter arms? <laughs> <laughs> well, you could also say the same about uh, <laughs> maybe maybe getting in fist fights as well, right? <laughs> well, fight or fuck, I think that's those no, are the two options, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe not mutually exclusive either. Here's another interesting point. For the for the longest time, you know, and, and some religions still uh, promote uh, go forth and multiply, which is a, a, a religious doctrine that was uh, applicable back in those early days of our existence, uh, which is no longer applicable today. When we understand that you know we're facing a, uh, an overpop, we have an, uh, we're in the midst of an overpopulation issue, basically, right? So you can't you can't continue as a religious leader to travel the world and, and encourage people to have babies, right? Doesn't make sense. So. That's why we also have a, a campaign against procreation, but more, that emphasizes sexuality with, uh, with pleasure rather than sexuality to, to make babies, right? So we have to, you know, we live in, in an age where we, have, where we have to act responsibly, you know, and we can no longer act for ourselves alone. We have to act for the collective consciousness of this planet. And the survival of this planet. We cannot just go out and have babies, you know, like there's no tomorrow. This is no longer applicable today. We have to keep in mind that the earth can only sustain, you know, a certain amount of people. 
And yes, of course, there's always a disease and all these uh, these uh, uh, these things that contribute to increasing the mortality rate. But the, this doctrine, go forth and, not, and multiply, no longer applies in uh, today's society. Uh, Rael and the message of the Elohim explained that the only way to normalize uh, population growth, that is to say to uh, get to the point where the birth rate equals the mortality rate, is to have no more than one baby per parent or two babies per couple, no more. But, uh, you know, you still see uh, countries where, you know, five, six uh, kids, I mean, <laughs> this kind of uh, defeats the purpose, I think. Well, I think a lot of the scientific predictions have concluded that we'd top out at 9 billion. I think that's the number. And then it's going to start going down again. Uh, it, it's going to start going down, but maybe not fast enough. That's, uh, that's, that's the, the key point, the rate at which, you know, we get to that uh, uh, normality, if you will, uh, is still not happening fast enough. So that's why there's a there's a, a, a an awareness campaign that is uh, that is uh, called for here, you know. Uh, but again, uh, we can only do so much. Uh, so we have to continue to to promote uh, awareness uh, in the world. I don't think a lot of people are aware. These so-called uh, slut marches or slut walks, I, I'm not sure what the proper term is. Uh, I think I was reading something about how uh, this was a Raelian creation. Is that right? I don't know if those still go on or not. Slut walk. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe this was the Raelian movement. Oh, okay. This was Maybe another was group. Mistaken about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll just cut that out. But, you know... <laughs> 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 in French, we say "Vive la différence." You know, we gotta uh, we gotta show more tolerance. I think not just tolerance, like I said earlier, but acceptance of the differences. People should be free to do and be whoever they want, for crying out loud. You know, but again, every time there's something controversial, like the slut walk, uh, which I which I which we are in favor of, which we you know support. Uh, there will be those religious, uh, conservative, ultra-conservative voices that will say, hell, you're going to hell, oh, uh, this, this, and that. And, you know, come on, let's, let's, let's grow up a little, you know. Um, we, we're, there's always going to be condemnation from uh, religious right, no matter what. I mean, we see it, we, we live it every day. I mean, it's, uh, it's nonstop. But is it going to stop us? Oh, you bet not. It, it, you bet that it won't. Stop us! Uh, you know, we'll continue to to be controversial because I think pushing the envelope in a non-violent way is a good thing. Always a good thing. Thank you for the opportunity. Let's do it again anytime. You know how to reach me, and uh, keep up the good work, guys. And uh, hope you guys will be with us around the embassy. You know, let's let's I'll, do I'll that. See, right? <laughs> I'll see you there, Felix. I'm serious. I'll I'll make the trip. Absolutely. Very good, man. All right. Yeah, you have a great night. Uh, you, you guys, too. Have a great night, and uh, so long. Until next time. Bonne nuit. See ya. See you out there. See ya. Bonne nuit. Bonne nuit. <laughs> Ciao. What's not to like? Paradise is a pair of dice. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they have... Uh, so it's like all, all pleasure. So if you're a... Uh, gambling addict they have casinos like any vice goes this is like a real alien 
Raelian themed casino. I imagine that with like um like slot machines with fucking swastikas all over. Well, he did bring up um Vegas. He did bring up Las Vegas for the example. Uh-huh. Yeah. That did go. I don't know any other alien religions, but I like the fact that there's like the doomsday thing is like not too heavy. I feel like I feel like it's not dissimilar to like uh Sean. Like it, mm-hmm. it's kind of as fun as the law. A bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like the um, cosmic, more beyond beyond the the terrestrial cosmic bounds into the daddy alien watching out for things, um, rather than Sh- Shirley Partridge. Man, we got to talk to more religious people. I feel like I I just I just had a little um, sensual. Meditation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to sensually meditate. I haven't sensually meditated all day. Yeah, it's building up. Got a release. All right, this has been the Exile Hour. Thank you for listening. We'll see you at the embassy. Thank you for listening to the Exile Hour. Please tune the next episode for another very special guest. We appreciate your patronage. If you have any suggestions for future guests, hate mail, blackmail, or another type of message, please do not hesitate to write to the Exile Hour at ProtonMail.com. As always, be safe, be vigilant, and keep listening.